Oh, man, this is, uh, this is such a treat uh, to be here with you guys. Uh, like Matt said, Calvary is family. Um, I used to sit in the seats right over there. Uh, I grew up going through the junior high program here, the high school, the college program. Uh, I was fortunate enough to then serve in the junior high and high school and college program. Uh, Calvary is where I fell in love with Jesus. Calvary is where I realized I serve a good and beautiful God. And so this place will always be special to me. And so I really appreciate you guys having me, uh, allowing new life to come and be a part of your service. I want to tell you guys a little bit about me uh, before I start. I want to show a picture here. I believe, can you see, this is my, uh, this is my lovely family. I, I married Calvary royalty. I married into the O'Brien family. And so this is uh, Aaron, formerly O'Brien, now Aaron Hempill. Uh, I have two incredible daughters, uh, Jameson, who's two, and Georgia, who's four months. And so I just feel so overwhelmed. Today, uh, I'll be totally honest, it was, it was an emotional morning. Uh, we used to drive together, or I used to be driven here as a kid by my parents. And then today, I'm driving my kids to the very same service. And I just had this moment of just overwhelmed emotion. And so, like I said, this is home to me. Um, so I'm really glad to be here. Uh, you got to give me a little grace. I'm used to uh, preaching to about 60 people. So if I only awkwardly make eye contact with these first two rows, it's not like you need the message more. It's just a comfort thing. So, but let's pray. And then I, I'm stoked to get into today's passage. God, today we come together as one church. We come together, God, as brothers and sisters from different backgrounds, different walks of life, yet we are all children of God. And we are children because of your goodness and your grace. And so, Father, I ask that you would commission my words, that you would anoint them. God, I pray in the name of Jesus that for a few minutes all distractions would stop, that our hearts would slow down, that our ears would open, and we would hear the words of our good Father. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If you guys have your Bibles, turn with me to Ecclesiastes chapter 3. I know recently you guys have started an Ecclesiastes series. So here we are in Ecclesiastes chapter 3. And we're going to go ahead and read Give you guys a second to turn there. We're going to be we're going to read chapter verses 1 through eight. We'll start there. Turn there. Ecclesiastes chapter three. I'll go ahead and read verses one through eight. For everything, there is a season. A time for every activity under heaven. A time to be born and a time to die. A time to plant and a time to harvest. A time to kill and a time to heal. A time to tear down and a time to build up. A time to cry and a time to laugh. A time to grieve and a time to dance. A time to scatter stones and a time to gather stones. A time to embrace and a time to turn away. A time to search and a time to quit searching. 
A time to keep and a time to throw away. A time to tear and a time to mend. A time to be quiet and a time to speak. A time to love and a time to hate. A time for war and a time for peace. Stop right there. Uh, Growing up, this was a very uh, confusing passage, you could say. A bit peculiar. Um, You know, if you had asked me a few years ago, hey, Matt, what do you want your first Calvary sermon to be on? This wouldn't have made my top hundred. But the truth is, is that as I've read it more and understood a little bit about the context, uh, I give you my word. It's one of my favorite passages. Because believe it or not, it's actually a passage full of freedom. It's full of beauty. And what I love about it is it gives us a glimpse into what it means to be human. Uh, And let me share with you what I mean. Growing up, I don't know if you were like me, but growing up, I kind of thought of emotions, kind of like like there were good ones and there were bad ones. So let's say in the right column, you got peace, love, joy. And then over here, you have anger, sadness, grieving. And, And nobody told me this directly, but it was communicated indirectly. Right? When you're told by, you know, a friend or a teacher or a football coach, hey, don't be sad. Hey, cheer up. Hey, don't get emotional. It reinforces this idea that, oh, okay, so there are good and there are ones that I should stay away from. These categories. And growing up, I just assumed this is what was right. And when you read Ecclesiastes 1 through 8, it kind of continues this narrative. The author lays out ones on the right. He lays out ones on the left. And what you expect him to say is always choose the former. You you expect him to say in these coming verses, always choose the ones on the right. And he doesn't. Uh, Let's keep reading. Read verses 9 with me. Let's see. Boom. All right. Ecclesiastes Let's read 9 through 11. What do people really get for all their hard work? I have seen the burden God has placed on us all, yet God has made everything beautiful for its own time. Let me read that again. This is the crux of today's passage. This is Mind-blowing mic drop moment from the author of Ecclesiastes. He says, yet God has made everything beautiful in its own time. So here the author has an opportunity to condemn certain emotions. He has the opportunity to shrink down what's available to us. And yet instead he does the opposite. He enlarges it. He gives us freedom to experience the full spectrum. And this was radically different for me. And and as I read this and as I reflect on this, it breaks my heart because I sometimes feel that of all the people on this earth, sometimes Christians, we have the hardest time understanding. 
See, part of being a pastor is I get to be with people in all different seasons, the good and the bad. And I've been with people and family and friends uh, 24, 48 hours, 72 hours sometimes after losing a loved one. And I've had conversations with people, with Christians, right after losing a loved one. And so often I hear, I'm okay, I'm okay, because they're in a better place. I'm okay. I have the opportunity to be with the sick and to be with the hurting. And when I get to come alongside them and ask, how are you doing? So often I hear, I'm okay. You know, there's others who have it worse than me. You know, Matt, this body is just temporary anyway, so there's no point in talking about it. And I'm not saying that any of those statements are, are wrong in and of themselves. But sometimes it just feels a little disingenuous. It feels as if that's what we think we should be saying. It feels as if those responses are what a good Christian should utter. We trick ourselves into thinking that to be a child of God means we limit the experiences and the seasons and the emotions. Uh, it's almost like sometimes we, we think he wants robots. <laughs> and, and I want to say something that may be shocking, maybe a little controversial, so I want you guys to hear me loud and clear. God is anti-robot. Did you guys catch that? It's kind of bold. God is anti-robot. And let me explain what I mean. You go back to the Garden of Eden, and God did the craziest thing a creator can do. Do you know what that is? He gave his creation free will. It's the craziest thing you can do as a creator, because with free will, comes the opportunity to rebel, to do harm, to choose against God. But with free will, it's, it's the essence of being human. It's what allows us to choose God, to love him, to honestly move towards him in a genuine manner. And God, as he knows both of these options, what does he do? He chooses free will. Instead of programming us as robots, he says, I want humans. I want authentic, honest, real, vulnerable children. God is pro-human, anti-robot. And yet, we still struggle with this. We hear this voice that says, do not mourn. Don't be sad because there's an afterlife. Do not grieve because God has a plan. Sometimes it's not even a voice in our head. Sometimes we're actually told this. Hey, you can't be angry because we're always supposed to forgive. Hey, you can't build a boundary because love always initiates. And again, we get stuck in, in wondering what is actually the correct response. And what I love, what I love, what I love is the Psalms. Are there any fans of the Psalms out there? 
Raise them high, raise them proud. We've got a few people. If you've read the Psalms, what you'll notice is they are incredibly diverse in nature. Like, like, let me kind of share some insight. David doesn't hold anything back in the Psalms. Some of them are joyful. Some of them are angry. Some he's expressing gratitude. And some he's venting to God. And so this is what I want to ask. If David didn't feel the need to limit himself, why, why do we? If David understood that the full spectrum of experience and emotion is available and like the author says, is beautiful, why is it that we often tell ourselves, no? The Psalms are example that all of them are worshipful and beautiful to God in their own time. I want to show you guys a clip that I think communicates this pretty well. You're going to see two characters. The character who's dressed like a fairy, she represents the emotion joy. And the character that you're going to see who's kind of dressed in blue, she represents the emotion sadness. And I want you guys to check this out because it gives us really good insight into this passage. Oh, the stuffed animal hall of fame! My rocket! Wait, Riley and I were still using that rocket. It still has some song power left. Who is your friend who likes to play? No! No, 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 you can't take my rocket to the docks. Riley and I are going to the moon. Riley can't be done with me. Okay, we can fix this. We just need to get back to headquarters. Which way to the train station? I had a whole trip planned for us. Hey, who's ticklish, huh? Here comes the tickle monster. Hey, Bing Bong, look at this. Oh, here's a fun game. You point to the train station and we all go there. Won't that be fun? Come on, let's go to the train station. I'm sorry they took your rocket. They took something that you loved. It's gone. Forever. Sadness. Don't make him feel worse. Sorry. It's all I had left of Riley. I bet you and Riley had great adventures. Oh, they were wonderful. Once we flew back in time, we had breakfast twice that day. Sadness! It sounds amazing. I bet Riley liked it. Oh, she did. We were best friends. I'm okay now. Come on, the train station is this way. How did you do that? I don't know. He was sad, so I listened to what. Hey, there's the train. So we can pretty much just close in prayer because that summarized Ecclesiastes pretty good. Is anybody else? Let me explain, right? So 
I really relate to that clip because I'm a happy-go-lucky guy by nature. Uh, I, I'm always quick to try to cheer people up through a silly face or through a joke or through a cheer up. And I'm slowly learning and I'm slowly in process that sometimes sadness is what's best. Uh, there's a quote from uh, a famous missionary. His name is Jim Elliott. And he says, wherever you are, be all there. Wherever you are, be all there. Now, again, we can apply this in a few different directions, but I think it so perfectly fits with what we're talking about this morning. That if you walked in today with a heavy heart, be all there. If you came in today on cloud nine, just rejoicing, tapping your steering wheel while you're driving, hear me, be all there. I want to be very clear. This passage is full of freedom. Why? Because it gives us freedom to experience the full spectrum of human emotions. But beyond this passage being freeing, it even gives us a little deeper insight into what it means to be human. And let me explain. It's going to show us that sometimes these seasons or these chapters, depending on how your verse your Bible translates it. What we're going to see is sometimes they overlap. Sometimes it fluctuates quite quickly. If you notice when the author writes in Ecclesiastes, it has a very back and forth nature. A time to be sad and a time to laugh, a time to dance, a time to this. There's never any pauses. Where's the Selah that we're used to? And I think the author is actually communicating something. That these experiences, these chapters, sometimes they fluctuate and change quite quickly. Sometimes they even overlap. I want to tell you guys about a very special day for me. And it's September 26, 2017. September 26, 2017 is the day that Aaron and I got to hold our firstborn daughter, Jameson. And this was a very special day because Aaron and I had struggled with infertility for two years before getting pregnant. Uh, for those of you who have gone through it yourself or know somebody who have you struggled, you know it's a painful process with tears and with late nights and with crying out to God in anguish. And so you can only imagine that on September 26, 2017, when we are holding our child for the first time, you can only imagine the joy that was overwhelming. Like you talk about be all there. I was doing skin to skin. I was soaking up every moment with my child because I wanted to be fully present and fully alive in that moment. But I'm here to tell you, that as I'm holding my daughter for the first time, I had a wave of sadness rush over me. I was overwhelmed with mourning. And that was because, if you know Aaron and I's story, uh, both of our dads 
passed away uh, tragically and very young. And what that meant is that neither one of our dads were present that day to hold our daughter. Neither one of our dads ever got to meet our baby. And, and I remember holding my daughter and really being sad about that. And yet that voice came back that said, are you not grateful? And I started to feel guilty. I can't be sad on a day like today. I've been praying for this moment. I've been waiting for this moment. No sadness is allowed in this room. And, and I, you're right. I started to tell myself, snap out of it. Don't go there. But again, it, I believe it came from a misunderstanding of what it means to be human. Let me give you an example. I want to point to Jesus right now. Take a look. You guys don't need to turn there, but go ahead and check out on the screen. Let's look about Hebrews. And I want to hear this interesting piece about Jesus and see how it connects. It says, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. Check this out. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Why is there joy in the cross? Well, there's joy because it was the means of reconciliation. Because of the cross, the righteousness of God has become ours. Because of the cross, our sins are no longer remembered. There was great joy for Jesus in the cross. But that's not a full picture. If you zoom in on that phrase, you'll get an incomplete picture. Let's read in Matthew chapter 26. Again, check out this screen. This is Jesus before the cross. He took Peter and the two sons of Zebedee along with him. And what happens? He began to be sorrowful and troubled. Then he said to them, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. Huh? I thought the cross was a joyful thing. Well, why is there agony? Why is there sorrow? Why is there mourning to the point of death? And see, Jesus is revealing things to us. Jesus is the epitome of human flourishing. He is the picture of abundant life. And yet we see Jesus, same moment, two opposing spectrums, two opposing chapters, basically describing the same event. There was great joy. And there was great sorrow. And this was freeing for me. Because it, it helped gain, give me clarity on moments like that hospital room where I'm holding my daughter. There's a verse in Romans, Romans 12, 15. You guys have probably heard it. It says, be happy with those who are happy and weep with those who are weep. But see, one of the reasons why I feel like we struggle with this it's because we tell ourselves, I can't be joyful with them because I'm not in a joyful place. Or the flip side, I can't mourn with them because that's, I'm just not in a sad place. We tell ourselves that you, you have to plant your flag with one season or one experience or one chapter, and that's all that dominates your time. We, again, we tell ourselves that really we're only capable of one thing at a time. And what it does is it prevents us from being 
the church. A church that carries the burdens of one another. The church that rejoices with those who rejoice and mourns with those who mourn. If you are struggling with infertility and your friend or your family or your church member gets pregnant, I want to encourage you to rejoice with them. If you are feeling sadness because of the grieving of loss of a loved one, and yet you come across a song or something that makes you laugh, I want to encourage you to let out a laugh and to tap your feet to the song. This passage gives us permission to experience conflicting emotions simultaneously. To realize that we're not boxed into one at a time, but through the power of the Spirit, we can cross over and truly be all there as life overlaps. But we feel guilty, don't we? I've mourned the loss of my dad and it felt wrong to laugh after that. It felt like if I experienced anything but grief, that somehow was diminishing the pain. And I just want to tell you, I do not believe that's true. I do not believe that by Jesus speaking of joy about the cross, that he was diminishing all that went on. We know the cross brought incredible physical, emotional, and spiritual pain. None of that gets diminished by Jesus speaking of it in terms of joy. You are not turning your back on a loved one or minimizing your pain by allowing yourself to fluctuate and by allowing your chapters to overlap. You have permission to not only experience the whole spectrum, but to even allow them to fluctuate. Besides this passage being a freeing one, besides it opening doors for us, there's one thing I want you to hear, is that it provides us with great hope. Great hope. Because often, again, the narrative that we tell ourselves is that what we are experiencing right now will always be that way. That the dominant theme of our life or this season or this chapter, the enemy tricks us into telling us it'll always be that way for you. And thankfully, the author of Ecclesiastes rebukes that. Because if you notice, he didn't say, hey, some of you get mourning while some of you get joy. Hey, some of you get war while some of you get peace. He doesn't do that. What does he do? Depending on a translation, he says there's a time or there's a season. Clue on the word season. What do we know about seasons? It's that they're constantly changing. I had the privilege of going to Alaska about five years ago with the very own Ben Harris bass player. Me, Ben, and another friend, we flew up to Alaska and stayed in the bush for five days. The bush is like the deepest part of the wilderness of Alaska. And we stayed there for five days. And we were lucky enough to go in summer. 
Well, if you know about Alaska in the summer, you know that it stays late. Almost 24 hours. There are even certain days where it is 24 hours. And I'll never forget the first time you walk out at 10.30 at night. Not kidding. 10.30 at night. And it looks like it's noon. It's the trippiest thing. But what does every Alaskan know? That for every season of summer, winter's coming. And if you know about Alaskan winters, you know how hard they are. We're talking 24 hours of darkness, 24 hours of bitter cold, 24 hours of no light. And yet when you talk to anybody who's lived in Alaska for any length of time, what do they hold fast to during winter? What allows them to endure those grueling months? You know what it is? They know that spring is coming. They know that that winter that is consuming them, that is real, that is painful, that is hard, they know that reality will not always be their reality. Man, I think that's true for us as children of God. I believe this passage gives us hope and allows us to give truth to combat the lie that what we are experiencing will not always be that way. If you are experiencing conflict right now in your family or at your work or in your community, pray for peace and believe that peace can come. If your faith has dwindled down to a small candle of a flame, hold fast and believe that revival is on its way. If you are dominated by sadness and tears, hold fast that you will laugh again. Because this passage points to even a greater hope. And that greater hope comes in Revelation when it says, I heard a loud shout from the throne saying, look, God's home is now among his people. He will live with them and they will be his people. God himself will be with them. Check this out. This is what we all hope for. He will wipe every tear from their eyes and there will be no more death or sorrow or crying or pain. All these things. Things are gone forever. See, the biblical narrative from start to finish is that on earth seasons change and seasons fluctuate and they overlap and it's messy and winters are cold and springs are beautiful. Yet, do not forget that there is a season coming that is different where there is no crying or loss or sadness or pain. And we don't cross our fingers type of hope. We plant our flag of faith on that truth. And as we wait for that day, uh, as our spirit groans for that season to finally be here, hear me when I say there is freedom to be all there. There is freedom 
to experience the full spectrum. As we wait for that final picture to dawn upon us, give yourself permission to sometimes fluctuate and sometimes overlap and sometimes rejoice in one minute and cry in the next because the church needs it. We need each other to not plant our flags on only one experience, but be there with our brothers and sisters. And last but not least, as we wait for this day, hold fast to the hope that our seasons change. And whether on this side of eternity or the other, we confidently await for this season where God is among us and God is present and we enjoy him for all of eternity. No more tears and no more pain. Ecclesiastes chapter 3 is not confusing or peculiar, but quite beautiful, quite freeing, and a message that we all desperately need. Will you pray with me? God, we thank you, Lord, that we know how the story ends. We thank you, Lord, that we know what season awaits us, Lord. And we thank you that as we wait for that, there is so much freedom. Lord, there's so much grace. You are so pro-human. You desire authenticity, Lord. We just thank you that we sit safely as a child in the arms of a loving father. And so, Lord, would you speak to us? Would you comfort us? Any walls of separation that we have built up that have been communicated to us, may we tear them down in the name of Jesus and may we enjoy safety and intimacy with our Father. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. You know, one of the goals when you plant a church is that you just want to be this uh, kind of a church that blesses and encourages the, this new birth of something. Today, the opposite has been the case. We have been challenged and encouraged by New Life. Thank you, New Lifers. Thank you, Matt. I so appreciate you. Amen. Our goal, too, as a church is not just to hear and then leave, but our goal is to wrestle and respond. And so we want you, even this moment, consider what season... What time are you in in your life right now? And maybe even just take the sermon notes. There's pens in the seat racks. Even just jot down some thoughts that the Lord might bring to your mind right now. What season are you in? Where do you need to be okay with dueling emotions? Where do you even need to even look forward to the hope that is to come? I encourage you even in this moment of reflection as we worship, as we're taking offering, invite the ushers to come forward as we begin that time. Where are you at? Write down some notes um, even as we continue our service. So let's pray. Let's receive our offering. also want to invite you, if you just even want to pray with a fellow Christian or if you're not a believer and you want to even receive Jesus today as your Savior, your Lord, come to the sides of our stage here. We'd love to pray alongside you today. So let's pray. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you for the perfect timing that you called each of us into this place to hear from Ecclesiastes 3 today. Thank you for Matt's experiences of his life and even small fruit of some of his suffering born into today. 
God, thank you that we can hold the tension of all kinds of emotions and you're in them. Thank you, there's freedom in that. Thank you, God, that we have hope as seasons change, as we look to the ultimate season where we're with you face to face. So God, we commit our offering to you. We commit our seasons to you. In Jesus, amen.